IBR is extremely widespread in Ireland and we've seen that um, one of the important things is that once an animal becomes infected, is infected for life and stress can make that animal reactivate the um, infection. The first uh, step in control is to know your health status because that's very important in terms of the biosecurity that you will be able to implement. Hello and welcome to the Beef Edge, the Chagas Beef Podcast, for all your latest news, information and advice for Irish beef farmers. I'm Catherine Egan and on this week's episode, we feature Dr. Maria Gabinzo from Animal Health Ireland, who gave a presentation for the Chagas National Beef Conference, discussing the prevalence of IBR and why Ireland needs to move towards a national eradication programme. IBR is caused by a virus and this virus is called bovine herpes virus type 1. It is very infectious, uh, very successful and again transmitted and affects uh, both domestic and wild cattle all over the world with the exception of some countries that have been um, successful in eradicating it. It's part of the bovine respiratory disease complex and I'll explain this in the next slide and also has very strong trade implications and this affect both semen and embryos that have totally free, as well as trade, life trade with uh, certain countries and uh, regions, which again will be explored a bit later. But first to the bovine respiratory disease, we know that this is the highest level of mortality of young cattle in Ireland and uh, it's multifactorial. And that means that there's a lot of factors that uh, influence it. The first group of factors we can say they are to do with the animal, so uh, age, and the sex, and genetics, and also immunity. If it's on calves, whether they have good colostrum, if it's in older animals, whether they have good vaccination or have been previously um, been exposed. Also, we understand now that there are a lot of very important uh, environmental factors. These are having good ventilation, good nutrition, uh, good hygiene, and reducing the levels of stress. And finally, the pathogens. So bovine respiratory disease typically starts with a virus that will cause damage in the tissue, in the mucosa, in the lungs, and then this uh, tissue is colonized by bacteria. So the virus are typically both like IVR, BI3, BRSV, coronavirus. BVD, we're, ha- we're lucky that is less and less of a factor because there is less and less um, nationally. And also other um, factors involved can be lungworm and the bacteria are manhemia, hemolytica, pastorella, multocida, and of course, mycoplasma. So what happens when an animal gets actually IVR? The Presentation is variable, and this means that some animals will have very mild disease and some animals will have um, very severe disease. But typically, they're going to have increased temperature. With that comes them being dull and and losing the appetite. And then the uh, signs are going to concentrate really in the upper respiratory tract. So we're going to see red eye, red nose, and increased serious discharge. Also, another important point is the milk drop. This is going to especially affect dairy farms. And animals can also develop a cough. And some animals may abort as well. So for the majority of animals, this is going to resolve in eight to ten days. Some animals are not that lucky, like the um, bullock that had this trachea here and uh, may die suddenly. But there is another aspect that is really, really important for infection with IVR. So let's get through it. So for an animal to get infected has to be antibody negative. So it's never been in contact with the virus before or the vaccine. 
So these animals get infected and it will go through the infection with the clinical signs that we just talked. These animals are very infectious, so they produce loads of virus and very, they are very successful at passing. But after um, typically around three weeks, these animals will develop antibodies and these animals will be antibody positive for life. But the virus does not go away, it gets into the nervous system and it becomes latent. This is why we call these animals latently infected animals. And what happens is that in times of stress, this uh, virus might reactivate and these animals, although they, they will typically appear totally normal, are capable of producing virus and infecting others. So this is uh, why this, uh, um, one of the reasons why this disease is so uh, successful at, at um, spreading. So with that in mind, how far is it going in Ireland? What do we know? Well, what we know, we think it's around 75 to 80 percent of herds in Ireland have at least a positive animal. And this is based in some studies. You can see them there. Some of them are quite old. We know in dairy farms that is about right because uh, the Department of Agriculture also has done some surveillance. Um, but in terms of suckler herds, uh, we have quite an old study. Uh, and in that old study, 90 percent of the positive and only around just over 11% of them were uh, vaccinated. So we have a little bit of an outdated uh, information in this. Um, we're hoping that the beef welfare scheme uh, results will be able to give us a, a, a better picture. So let's talk first uh, now uh, about the impacts and the control. In terms of the impacts, well, with what I said in the bovine respiratory disease, it's obvious that this disease has a, an important health and welfare impact on the animals. And that animals that go through a bad bout of respiratory infection, eh, these animals will not be as productive as animals that don't, won't put on the same amount of weight, uh, won't be able to reach reproductive age as, as, as well as others. And um, of course, to consider here is also the social impact in terms of farmers have to look after these animals. Um, and with disease, of course, it comes the cost, and it comes the cost of looking after these animals, of the medicines and everything. Uh, with, B, uh, with IBR, we also very important is the effects of milk drop, uh, but that's for dairy herds. So we know that there is uh, some impact also uh, because of the trade implication. So Bulls we, that are uh, going to into AI stations must not have any antibodies against IBR, nor to the virus or to the vaccine. So um, herds that are uh, going to, to send some of these animals have to be very careful and make sure that they are IBR free. Also because of the life exports. So there's an increasing number of countries and regions that can actually legally put um, a lot of requirements for animals to come through. And I'll show you a map with where those uh, countries are at the next slide. Of course, antibiotic usage, um, we all know nowadays that we have to uh, aim to reduce antibiotic usage to uh, try to prevent antimicrobial resistance. So reducing uh, um, disease is going to have an effect. And also we're understanding more and more and the role that animal health has in greenhouse gas emissions, because we know that it can affect the growth rate and also um, 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 reduces uh, reproductive performance. So in terms of 
what countries are out there with approved IVR programs. Well, we can see that all the Nordic countries are free. So countries in green here are free and recognised free by the EU, as well as uh, Germany, Switzerland, Austria and the Czech Republic. Um, then also with approved programs, we can also put um, a more impediments, more requirements for animals coming through, Belgium and France. But more importantly, we know that the Netherlands, uh, which is one of the main importer of young calf, uh, Irish calves, uh, the Netherlands are considering having an approved programme and so is Spain. So it, could, it can have quite a, an effect in terms of Ireland's exports. So let's now change the focus and look at what can we do for controlling IVR at farm level. So there are certain steps that if you want to do something about IVR in your farm, you should uh, consider having. First of all, is to plan what are your aims? Do you have the disease already? Is it clinical disease that you need to control? Is it both to AI that you need to make sure that they're free? Um, the next step is to investigate what is your status? Because obviously that's going to change very much the actions that you, you're going to, to have on, um, on your farm. The next thing would be to control. So then uh, look at um, aspects of biosecurity, consider vaccination. And for this, it's very important to know what are the risky, what are the risk factors that you're going to have to take into account and then afterwards monitor. So let's have a look at the risk factors. What are the riskier activities in terms of, sorry, first of all, to know your status. First of all, what can you do to know um, whether you have IBR or not. For dairy herds, it's quite, um, it's, it's, it's quite easy in terms of testing a bulking sample. But for beef herds, we also have another trick in the terms of that we can test a number of animals and get an idea then of what's happening in the farm. And I'm going to explain this on the pilot because um, this is what we did there. And I'll show you what can we um, learn from this. Um, the second step is then being aware of these higher risk activities. Well, it's mostly they're mostly to do with the actual animals. So if you introduce a stock, there is a risk that you're going to introduce latently infected animals. Now, that is important if your herd is free, uh, but it might not be so relevant to you if you have IVR in your farms. And this is why you need to know first what your status is. And of course, anything that is to do with mixing your animals with other animals, especially in, um, uh, in situations that can be stressful. So transport or mixing animals from different um, uh, sources. Also, grazing a stock in boundary fields, because we know that IVR actually can travel up to five meters on the air. So that's something to bear in mind. Um, and the next is actually in terms of uh, people and in terms of equipment and facilities. We know that IVR is moderately resistant, that at uh, good conditions, so it's cool but not too cold and high uh, humidity, it can resist up to one month. So hygiene is really, really important for controlling and stopping IVR. So 
The next thing I want to talk to you is about the pilot IBR program. So this was a, a set up in collaboration between the IBR Technical Working Group and Chagask on the Better Farm Beef program. So we had 29 herds and uh, over 30 trained vets. And there were three strands. The first thing that they had to do, uh, these farms had to do, was a snapshot testing. And this was uh, selecting uh, 30 animals, randomly selected, so of all ages, um, in the farm and um, testing them for with the marker ELISA. And also the vet was carrying out then a review of the management practices. And this was with the idea to provide three biosecurity recommendations that were going to control IBR for that particular herd. And what can we, let's go back to the snapshot, what can we interpret? And you can see that this is quite similar to the beef welfare scheme in terms of a, just testing a proportion of the herd. So how we interpret it is we have all the samples negative, or we have only one, posit uh, one positive, we know that the proportion of positive animals in that herd is going to be very low, uh, probably between zero and 15%. So these herds are very low prevalence, and these herds could pursue freedom, uh, but also need to be make making sure that they don't introduce the virus. So it's very important to improve biosecurity. If we get to more than two positives, then we have a positive snapshot. We reckon that these herds are going to be typically over 15%. What it's telling us is that they are medium to high prevalence and they are likely uh, to need to control the disease. And this could be done through vaccination. Again, I'll explain how that does that. And it's just it's not only black and white that the snapshot can tell us. The snapshot can really let us know uh, the proportion of positive animals in the herd. And this is how we see it here. So let me take you through this. What we have here is the proportion of positive animals in the herd called within herd prevalence. So from zero to 11. And what we have here is the proportion of animals that we're going to find positive in the snapshot. And what we can see is that it's a linear. So it's actually really close. So if we have a 70% of animals positive in the snapshot, we see that actually um, is, is likely to be around 70% also on the herd. So this is very useful to give us an idea. But it's important that it's based on random samples. And I'll show you why in the next slide. So these are their results for the um, actual uh, herds that took part in the pilot. 59% had a negative snapshot and 41% had a positive snapshot. And in general, they had very low numbers of positives. But this is the results of all the animals summarized by, the, by year of birth. So these were the younger ones, these were the older ones. And what we can see is that the older the animal, the more likely that it is to be positive. And this makes sense because once they're positive, they are for life. And the older they are, the more chances they get to be exposed. So this is why it's important to, to, to have random. Also, we can, we, because we can, uh, uh, we can get more out of the testing. But first of all, and I, I don't have time to show you all the results for these herds, unfortunately, but I want to show you what were these herds doing in terms of vaccination. So here we have the summary. So of the negative herds, 24% of them were vaccinated. And out of the positive herds, 67% 
were vaccinated. This makes sense because when you have an outbreak of IBR, one of the ways to control the outbreak is by vaccinating. So positive herds are more likely to have been positive in the past. But it also gives us a good message in terms of the negative herds. Not all the negative, so the majority of negative herds were not vaccinated. So it's quite possible to have and maintain a herd negative without vaccination too. But the other strong message, as you can see here, we looked at the different uh, cohorts of animals that were vaccinated. And it was only a minority of herds actually uh, vaccinated the older breeding herd, but the majority of the herds were vaccinated the younger animals. Vaccinating only the younger animals is all very good for the herds that are going to receive those animals, but they're not going to control IBR if we have a problem on farm. It is very important to vaccinate all the animals. And I'll show you how does that work. So here we can see um, a farm and we have a couple of older cows here that are latently infected. And what happens when we vaccinate is that we reduce the chance that those animals are going to reactivate and be able to, um, to pass on the virus to others. So we minimize this. And what it means is that over time, these older animals will leave the herd and over time then will have a full herd of vaccinated animals. And this is why we need to vaccinate them all to make sure that those animals do not recirculate the virus. So in general, this vaccination with marker vaccines, they cannot stop the virus, um, the animals getting the virus, the same as your COVID or a flu vaccine is not going to stop you getting the virus, but it's going to stop, it's going to reduce the clinical signs, it's going to reduce the chances of reactivation. Uh, and if we want to use the vaccination as a control in your farm of an I, of IBR, then we need to vaccinate all the herd uh, because otherwise um, we run the risk that some of the older animals unvaccinated might start uh, recirculating the virus. Now, also bear in mind that the bulls with potential with AHRs must not be vaccinated. And that's very important. Um, and another very good, uh, important point with IBR is that with this marker vaccine, we can actually uh, differentiate between vaccinated and, uh, and infected. So here, as you can see, when we have a marker vaccinated animal, if we test it with a marker uh, test, it's going to be negative. If we test it with what we call a conventional test, will be positive. Infected animals will be positive for both and naive will be negative for both. So a few words more in terms of interpretation for those of you who were wise enough to get your samples tested uh, for the beef welfare scheme. And um, so when you have a, a negative uh, or positive, well, the first thing is we can estimate the within herd leveling. So the proportion of animals actually infected in your herd. Then we can have a look at individual level. It's important to look at which cohort is positive. If you have younger animals, it's because the, the virus has been re circulating recently. If it's older, it's an older infection. Also look whether they're homebred or non-homebred, uh, whether they've had a conventional vaccine. Now in the UK, there's still um, some animals receiving conventional vaccines, so something to bear in mind. And of course, then review the biosecurity. So I'm going to give you a couple of examples uh, for these pilot herds, uh, pilot herds and see what we concluded.
So the first herd is herd number 12. You can see it had 14 positives. So that was the herd that had more positives. And what we can see here is this is the year of birth. So they were all animals. Uh, they were not the younger one uh, animals, but they were older. And also we find out that they were all non-homebred. So more details about these herds, you can read it there. The fact is that he had started vaccinating the calf only the previous year. And it was an open herd. So the, um, um, the um, advice for this herd is that the old herd had to be vaccinated to stop those older animals recirculating the virus. And also that the purchase stock had to be quarantined and, of course, the vaccine and disinfection. We'll quickly run through another example. You can see the details of the herd. This was another herd with six animals positive, but this herd had been vaccinating all the stock for over five years. These are these are the, the um, animals that were positive. As you can see, most of them were not homebred and they were actually quite old. So if we have a look here, at the animals that were tested by age, again, in orange, the positive, in blue, the negatives, we can see that actually there are all the animals uh, that had been there for five, six years were negative. And this means that the vaccination is successful at controlling. These animals have not gone. So um, there's successful control and this herd is to continue all herd vaccination. And now finally, quickly, just to let you know what is happening in terms of IBR control in Ireland. Uh, we've had an IBR technical working group working for years and it's developed a proposal uh, based on the animal health law. And this means that would allow us to, to, to trade and at some point to also obtain recognition of freedom. And the IBR implementation group has been convened, has had a look at the initial proposal and has had also some ideas um, of um, a, of other options, so there's more than enough work ongoing. So I'm going to give you just a flavor, general flavor of the proposal. This is not agreed or this um, is just a proposal. The idea would be to have an initial reduction phase to reduce the prevalence because at the moment it's very high, the, the number of herds that are positive. So this would be using uh, the bulk pack milk testing, snapshot testing and vaccination that will also allow us to have the first disease-free herds. And this would be very good for uh, herds that produce the bulls for AI and also uh, animals for exports. Then we would move to an eradication phase. And here we would look to have complete uh, alignment with the legislation and to have an approval of the program uh, at the EU level. And we would finish then um, with a monitoring phase after uh, being, uh, being uh, IBR free and then the vaccination would need to be prohibited. So in summary, IBR is extremely widespread in Ireland and we've seen that, um, um, yeah, that, it, that one of the important things is that once an animal becomes infected, is infected for life and a stress can make that animal reactivate the, um, the infection. Um, 
And the first stop, uh, the first uh, step in control is to know your health status, because that's very important in terms of the biosecurity that you will be able to implement or that you should implement. Um, the results of a snapshot testing or a bulk-time testing then can allow, will allow you to review the herd biosecurity, vaccination, etc. And you can find more free resources on IVR um, in Animal Health Ireland's uh, website. So thank you very much for your attention. That's all for this week's episode and further details of the presentations and proceedings from the Chagas National Beef Conference can be found on the Chagas website and the link is in the podcast text. You can catch up on all other shows and interviews from the Beef Edge podcast on the Chagas website at chagas.ie or you can listen on Apple and Google Podcasts as well as Spotify. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe so you never miss a show. For all other updates from our Beef programme, keep an eye on our Twitter and Facebook pages. Until next time, I'm Catherine Egan and thanks for listening.